0: Hey, we're KoiFly Creative, and we're obsessed with all things production, marketing, business, and helping you navigate the life of a creative leader. We're here to unveil the more unexpected aspects of leadership. We don't stray away from the real talk. We go through it all with influential leaders from all walks of earth. So pull up a seat and have your morning coffee with us. This is The Morning Cast. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Hello, so, hello, hello, hello. A big hello. A big hello, ho, ho, ho. And welcome to the morning cast. Yes. Um, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Shelly, and I need some more coffee. <laughs>
1: I'm Stacy, and so do I. <laughs> I'm Dave, and this is my fourth cup today. <laughs> I'm Erin, and this is also my fourth cup. I'm Leslie,
2: and I'm not sure how many this is, but
0: the pot is empty. We <laughs> have a problem. Well, um, who's up today? I am. I'm up today. Yes. Who did you interview? I interviewed
3: my old college roommate um, and Europe co-traveler, Paula Belarjan. She is a health hero. She actually is an x-ray tech at a small community hospital in New Jersey. And she talks about having three days in a row last week of like 12 hour shifts in the midst of COVID. So she's, she's in the trenches.
1: Wow.
2: And what hospital is she at? Oh, she okay,
3: can't no. say the name of the hospital. Um, I mean, there's a couple, you know, rules. She said the media department was gonna like jump all over her if she mentioned the hospital name, but she could say that it's a community hospital and it's, you know, like a small to medium sized hospital. They seem to have a lot of like equipment and PPE which is good Um, but I kind of talked to her about like how she's feeling you know and she's a mom and she's a wife and she comes home you know just like we all you know actually we don't now we stay at home all the time but she comes home you know after a 12-hour shift like being in the trenches with all these really really sick patients and I kind of wanted to get her feedback on what that's like yeah so that's awesome yeah
0: I'm excited to listen yeah, what was what was your favorite part? What should we look out for? There's
3: a part in there, and I don't want to give it away, but there's a part in there where she talks about hope. And I feel like, to me, it gave me chills. Um, like, looking at the light at the end of the tunnel, I think all of us are sort of in this thing where we're like, I can't believe this is still going on. How long is it going to happen? But there is something they do in her hospital that sort of makes everyone feel hopeful. So... And also she talks about like what everyone's doing for the healthcare heroes right now, like how they're making them feel sort of like superheroes, you know, um, even children, like what the children are doing and how they're supporting these, um, nurses, doctors, x-ray technicians, everyone. Um, but for her, I mean, she's like right in there with them. Like she's actually like x-raying and touching, you know, because all of these patients have difficulty with their lungs.
2: And they have to get x-rays in order to help diagnose the disease?
3: Yeah, yeah. She actually talks about how they um, are now telling the x-ray technicians to go to triage. She's like, I don't even know where that is, you know, in the hospital. Because generally, like, you know, if you're sitting there and you're checked into the hospital, you go, you know, wait for someone in the x-ray area. and They come and get you and you go get an x-ray. But now they're bringing their portable x-ray machines to basically the waiting room. Um... So, yeah, and they're completely covered head to toe in plastic and, you know, everything. Wow. It's scary. It kind of, like, because we're so sheltered now and we're kind of, like, sitting in our houses, like, hearing her story, like, where every day she goes in and she's, like, this is going to be another day where I'm going to see, like, 20 patients, most of whom are really, really sick. Um, it's inspiring and scary and
0: surreal. Wow. I'm excited.
4: Yeah. I'm excited to hear
0: from well, her. Plus, she's really funny. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Okay. Do you guys want to get started? Yeah.
4: yeah. Let's do this. My name is Paula Belargin, and I'm an x-ray tech at a hospital in Central Jersey. Awesome.
3: So what, um, what's
4: going on? Like, what is
3: your job? Like, maybe we'll talk about, like, what's your job first, and then...
4: How has so, it so I work mostly per diem which means like we get pulled in to help out the full-time and part-timers so that means usually I work a lot of weekends nights whenever they don't work so I see what happens usually like nighttime weekend so that usually means we get put into the emergency room mm-hmm. and that's front line so now they're coming in that way um normally it was straight through the emergency room but now there's steps prior to the emergency room because they don't want to infect like other places where they shouldn't.
3: So, so what, now- What was like status quo before? Like yeah, what, how it was before when someone came in, when a patient came in that you needed to work with before versus now, that, that's a cool slant.
4: Yeah, so there's three, and a lot of hospitals do it this way. There's three different areas of an emergency room that they usually break down. So you start at triage and then they figure out where to put you. So kids will go in their own pediatric ER to stay away from the adults. So they deal with pediatric stuff. And then the breakdown of the regular emergency room is the high intense cases, like the main area. And then there's not so like important cases, like, you know, ouch, I think I dislocated my finger type of thing. So you're going to go on like a slower track, but because there's so many people that have, it, it started out that way. And then they started as I would go in like once a week and I would see how things would just progress to the normal three areas of the emergency room started breaking down into different areas. So they got rid of the peds because there's no kids coming in anymore. So that becomes like a COVID unit. The main ER um, is broken up with rooms that have actual doors. And then there was rooms where there was just curtains. So in the beginning, they wouldn't put like the positive people with behind a curtain because you're still infecting, you could be infecting other people. So they would stick them in the room With the door and then they created the negative air. But now it just got so bad that everything is COVID positive.
3: Wow so So like initially like what kind of you know they call it personal protection equipment right the PPE. So initially like what kind of PPE would you
4: wear and has that changed? Um, We were we've been fortunate that in the very beginning we were just given a surgical mask and the CDC guidelines were different at that point as far as precautions versus whether it was airborne or droplet so they said no no you're fine you don't need an N95 you just need the um the surgical mask and we're like no we don't <laughs> so we started out with the surgical mask and then they realized things were becoming dire and more and more difficult and more and more people were coming in positive so we've been fortunate that every week I've gone in I'm given any kind of equipment I want, which is great, which not a lot of people can say. So we were already fitted for N95 masks, so we can get our N95 surgical mask, you know, the plastic covering head to toe. And just this past week, I even got one of those visor things that like on a um, the plastic that goes over your head that you usually see the doctors wear. Wow. They gave us a box and, so, and goggles. So we get, you just wash them and keep reusing them.
3: So... Um... You said you have to get fitted for an N95 mask.
4: Yeah, because that that's the mask that um, really really protects you because it molds to your face. So back before any of this started, because we always deal with isolation patients, we call it. So they could have been like pneumonia or something, you know, a lung disease or something where if you walk into their room, you are at risk of getting whatever. So we've always had those masks, and if that was the case, we need they needed to know what size you were. So we would go get fitted as part of like the health screening, the annual health screening. So now I knew, you know, I was a size small. So you go and we are like, can I have a size small N95 mask? So like, that's why they don't want the general public using that mask, because if you just grab somebody's and it happens to be a large, it's not gonna work. And now you're just wasting a mask that that a doctor could be using, so. Wow, Um, because I do
3: think a lot of people are just buying the N95 mask, thinking that they're gonna like just throw it on and they'll be protected, but I don't, Right. I haven't heard anybody talk about being fitted for a mask.
4: That's crazy. No, all, all hospital workers should get fitted. They get fitted on an annual basis, like along with your, your flu shot, your TB shot, whatever you need to work in a hospital. Interesting. It's so all part what, of
3: it. So like what happens now? Like your job is, and you can tell me what your job is, but it's you're x-raying these patients. So what happens now like when a patient comes in and they have COVID versus before when you just like took somebody in to get x-rays, like what, how, how has that changed?
4: right so now they um, i guess depending on their symptoms that's how they go by whether there's suspicion or not and i think to to weigh to the co- you know cautionary side they they're going to do an x-ray any a chest x-ray so we walk around it's all portable nobody comes to our unit anymore cuz you don't want to infect rooms that need that are needed for healthier people so we go and our day now it's just instead of people coming to us, we go, we have like a list of of patients that keep coming on our list already. And we just go out and do chest x-rays on everybody. And usually you can, and on top of like other, you know, they do blood tests and everything else for these people to determine whether they're truly positive or not. Um, But at this point, we've gotten so good at these (laughs) x-rays that you take a picture of of the lungs and you, and I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, oh boy, this is definitely a positive one. You could tell like the lungs look like like there's cotton balls inside of them.
3: So are you looking at an x-ray right now of a COVID positive lung? Right. What do you see?
4: Um, I see a lot. There's in a normal lung where it should have like black, which equals air. Um, this is all like, it looks like gauzy white. And what I was saying earlier was two of these on Friday, two of these people walked in off the street in triage, saying I'm sick I'm sick something's wrong with me please test me please test me whatever they're doing um one was in a wheelchair she couldn't walk and she was had an oxygen cannula on because she couldn't breathe the other guy actually managed to walk himself in and when I took their x-rays what a half hour half hour after walking into the building nothing if they look like and you're like holy cow like how are you even walking around
3: because like that's Limiting the air coming into their lungs, right? So that stuff. So they're they're
4: limiting. lacking the oxygen like we have. Like you can inhale and you've got oxygen and you can breathe. They can't.
3: So what does so, what does COVID do to your lungs? Like what is it, it burrows in and the virus like? It, makes it, it burrows
4: sense. in and it's um, what's the word? It's uh like it's like an infl- it, it's like an inflammation of your lungs. It burrows in there, and we have like what's called an oxygen saturation rate. And a normal, healthy person like you and I, if we were put on a monitor, our rate, the, the monitor would show we have like 90 something percent oxygen. These people are down to like 80. So sometimes if they're really bad and I look down at the picture, I'm like, <gasps> and I don't realize I do that. I didn't say anything. I look at them like, okay, thank you, thank you. Your doctor will be in a minute. That's why they have uh, x-rays, one of the first tests they, they do. And that on top of, they have to confirm it with whatever, either if they're using the swab, or uh, the blood test that confirms it 100%. Wow. But at least with the the x-ray, there will be automatic suspicion because a normal lung does not look like that. So at least, you know, if they come in saying, I've had a fever, I can't breathe, like all the symptoms, and they're like, well, we don't know if you have it or not. And then, you know, the x-ray is one of the first things to show up and the radiologist sees it, they can say, you know, definitely suspicion of COVID positive. And then they're going to set those people aside and treat them differently than somebody who has pneumonia.
3: Okay, what did you guys think?
2: And what did you think? I have so many things that I want to talk about. I have four major things, though. Okay. One, the whole part when she was talking about how like it's airborne versus droplet and they're getting these recommendations from everybody. I get that there's like margins of error, but that infuriated me because we had that knowledge. So that bothered me. And I, I so that was one.
0: Meaning um,
3: like they didn't know in the beginning and they, did, they didn't. They, they yeah, do. because
2: there's knowledge about it being air, airborne or droplet from other countries. So why wasn't that information getting to them? And why were they being direct at, I have a million questions there. Right. Um, then when she, that x-ray was insane.
3: Wasn't it? I think it needs to be up there longer. That
2: freaks me out.
3: Obviously my editing, you know, for for you guys, for your purpose, would be better once everyone sees it in the public, but.
2: It's just crazy to see it, what a normal one looks like, and then to see that, that's frightening. Just unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And then the fact that she's mentioning that there's no rapid tests, I can't even get started on that don't, it's not anymore.
3: <laughs> that's what we're here for. Let's get started on it.
2: I also can't imagine just the, the visual of, cause we've, re, we were recently in the ER with Luke, my son, and just seeing, you know, we had to go to like six different rooms in parts of the hospital for him to get x-rayed. I can't even imagine that visual of just seeing an ER in a huge x-ray machine, just getting rolled in to the ER. Like that's, that's gotta be surreal.
3: And I have pictures of that too. I'm going to share that. while We finish the edit because it's it's a crazy, huge, big machine. I talk about it more in the next half.
1: Just wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think even like going off of the X-ray machine, like she is one of the first people to know whether or not these these patients have it. And I mean, I can't imagine what the mental toll of that would take on her. And like, you know, the, of course, the patient wants to know right then and there. And maybe based off her reaction, like they, you know, they probably already know. But it's just that is what stuck out to me is that like she is the first person essentially she's front line. She's
3: totally frontline. Yeah. But she can't say anything cuz she's not a doctor. Right. So I love the part where she's like and there was more to that that I cut out because I was like I can't put this in there cuz it's sort of like not not good. But when she was like sometimes i look at the x-ray and i'm like have you ever like gotten an x-ray and you like look at the tech like what Yeah, like, oh my
0: god,
2: yes.
3: Like what is it really what's happening am i okay?
0: Or like, ultrasounds, yeah. sounds, you're like, do they know with baby sexes? Yeah. You know? So I think that's kind of crazy. They great. have to, like, keep this amazing poker face. Poker that, face. Yeah. yeah. We should go to
3: Vegas. we be right though. here. The doctor will be right in. They're like, what, am I, am I dying? Am I okay? Like, yeah. hmm What do you think, Dave?
1: I'm, I mean, I'm intrigued by it. I can't wait to dive back into the second half. Um, I think she's providing a lot of really important and fascinating insights that are not public knowledge, really. Yeah. You know, I have no just,
3: idea. I have no yeah. idea that the lung was that much of a telltale sign. And then they're, and they're chest x-raying everyone that comes in with
1: symptoms. And that it's, I mean, something that they've never seen before. Like, I don't know how long she's been doing this, but that's, like, insane to me.
2: It is insane that that is how they find out. Yeah. Free limb find out instead of a wrap-out. I can't. I can't.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so glad that there are hospitals that do have the correct PPE equipment, you know, like that have correct PPE. I mean, like I, you know, my husband, Steve, he's, he's a neurodiagnostic tech. So he works with EEG, you know, tests all day long and they, and he works at a hospital in in Philly, and they don't even have enough surgical masks to give everyone a new one once a day. Basically, they gave him a surgical mask and a brown paper bag. Yeah. And said, when you're not using the surgical mask for the next two plus weeks, just put in the brown paper bag. Yeah, she talks about that.
3: That's the next thing she talks about, actually, is the brown paper bag versus plastic. And I thought thought that that plastic or cardboard held onto the virus for longer. So this is another like epiphany that I had while listening to her. There's like a bunch, the, the next half is a lot even more interesting in the beginning.
2: Cool, let's jump in.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We, talk about, right. we talk about too, like what kind of person does it take to do this? You know, like what is it about you that makes you do this versus some other people? So, all right.
0: Right, Ready. Wow. Yeah, cool. okay. Let's yeah. jump back in. Like, do
3: you guys have testing for everybody?
4: We do, but I heard that it takes a while. It's not, a, it's, we don't have rapid tests yet. It's uh it takes a couple of days to get back. Which that doesn't help a lot of people either.
3: So if you get to take an x-ray and you see that this is the COVID lung, that's like, a, that's like a,
4: yeah, it's, it's a red flag for everybody. Yeah. The doctors will know that that's a red flag and you know, the, just use common sense at that point. If you're running 104 fever, the shortness of breath and this x-ray most likely you have it you just have to get the test to prove that you have it but they, right. they at this point to not continuously infect the rest of the population they're going on the assumption that you are positive even though you're not we haven't tested you yet because you have to
3: so do you come in contact with the patients are they sitting on your gurney by the time you walk in like how who brings the patients to
4: the, the x-ray they don't come to us. we go to them now so you go, you get the patient. Now, and we stay with this portable machine. We stay in the room and I could do the x-ray in the room because it's a digital machine. So it comes up automatically like a laptop.
3: So you walk out into the waiting room and you're like, okay, patient John, come back
4: in. Yeah, so now we're like even walking so no, leg, or like they walk No, away. we stay there. So it's, it's crazy because not only are we going into these rooms, these emergency rooms that were, you know, that are already like separated, they've gone they've taken another step to the point now we we're dragging the machine over to triage, where you're just right when you're walking into the hospital, you know you go to the desk and you're like, "Here here's my name, insurance card, yada, yada, this is what I, is wrong with me." And you know at that point, the nurse is doing your blood pressure, your temperature, and trying to figure out you know, are you an emergent person, you know patient or you, whatever. And we never even, this is the first time they're like, oh, the person's in triage. And I'm like, where is that? I didn't even know where that is. (laughs) It's almost like out to the parking lot that I'm dragging this machine on wheels. And we, we just started using one of those exam rooms. We took one of the beds in there, propped it up, and we just wipe it down. Every single time somebody comes in, we just keep taking the pictures in there now.
3: So then they, are they sitting up or are they laying down? Like, how is the patient? Yeah, they're
4: like, it? they're like in a seated position on the gurney.
3: And then how do you, what do you do with the x-ray equipment? Like, is it like, I'm thinking of like, okay, I don't know a lot about x-ray tech, but like, I'm thinking about the dentist, you know, they come in with like the machine
4: that goes like right here. Oh, yeah. So thing. this goes like, yeah, tell me. How, tell so me so we do. have a board, a board that acts like it's a big laptop and it's all computerized and it goes behind your back. And then I have the tube off the machine that I aim at it. And when you hit the button, the radiation hits the, the, back, the, back, the back plate and it automatically will take a picture of your lungs. So you don't necessarily need to touch the person? No, I mean, they have to come in wearing a mask. We're covered in head to toe. I mean, I've got gloves on, so I have to touch them if I have to move them up to get the plate behind them. Um, but yeah. And then you, then
3: you take your gloves off? Like, what's, your, what, what's the next thing you do like in between patients?
4: Oh, uh, you um, yeah. You have to take the gloves off. You put new gloves on. You're wiping everything down the machine, the the gurney, everything that they could have possibly touched, even with their, with their clothes, because it could be on the clothes. So you it and the the door handles of the room that they came in, everything. And then we just roll. You know, you do your your body plastic first, and then you use your uh, your mask glass. So what we do is we get a one N95 mask. And we have a bunch of surgical masks, so we can't keep reusing an N95 because we don't have that many. So we just keep putting on the surgical mask over that N95. And then every time I'm done, I'll take the surgical mask off and put a new one on and do the next person.
3: And then do you ever like, what do you do with the, the N95 mask? Do you like, can you? So they,
4: they give us a, a paper bag, like a lunch bag, and you're supposed to keep it in a lunch bag versus a plastic bag because supposedly it has something to do with bacteria has a harder time living on paper bag versus a plastic bag someone heard so we started doing that and now we have a machine that will clean our n95 mask up to five times if we want to
3: Wow and so then you put it in the in the in the brown bag and stick it into the machine
4: well if you want to get it cleaned you have your name and everything on the bag and you put it by the machine and then the next morning you pick it up and it's got you know you pick it, the one with your name on it and it's cleaned from the night people Wow so
3: like are are you scared like are people scared like how, what is everyone feeling like in there like what what's the like overall like is it just get the job done and then like, get out of there or is are people like nervous like what i'm sure it varies but
4: yeah you don't want to stay in the room for you want to stay there as little as possible because you know these people are very infected if they in fact are sick and what's ner- what makes all of us as workers nervous is how the rules changed since this all started from the beginning in March. They said, okay, no, you only need a surgical mask. Oh no, now you would need the N95 mask. Oh no, now you need this, 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 and this. So it's like, uh uh-oh, you know, now we're in week three and you're telling me I need five different personal protective things, but yet in week one you said that surgical mask was all I needed. So now you're like, really? You know, like something's not right. My God. Are you
3: taking your temperature every day? Like how do? what happens with that?
4: Yeah, we're supposed to take our temperature every day and, um, and report if we have a, a fever. What's a fever, like 100? Anything over 98.6, they said.
3: Wow, so if you have 98.9, what do you do?
4: They're going to start questioning.
3: So they, so if you, if you say, okay, I have a 98.9, do they say, okay, you can't come in today? Or are they like, okay, you can come in today, but then tomorrow if you still have, like, what, what do they say?
4: You're supposed to, well, at this point, they're, I mean, if I don't call, And I have a 99, like that's on me, Mm -hmm. you know, shame on me for being irresponsible for going in and, and possibly infecting more people, but we're supposed to be telling them now. And then it's an automatic, uh, self quarantine of 14 days. Wow.
3: Is your family scared? Like, are you, when when you come home at night, like, what do you do? Like,
4: yes, my husband sleeps in a different room. My son won't come near me. (laughs) It's, you have to be careful. I can't see my parents. I, I can't go in their house. They're older. 80 82 83 you know with underlying conditions I, ca- I have to be careful there because if i come home from a shift and i could possibly have it on me I-, I could be a carrier you know not so much that i look sick but i could be carrying it and not even know it that's okay. the scary part is the unknown
3: and then do you take a shower right away like what do you like i'm just trying oh, to think yeah. if it were me and i was coming <laughs> home like or do you get just used to it after a while? Like, is it like, ah, oh, you know, everything's like, I, I just don't know how, like.
4: You're definitely more aware of what you're doing with your, like, I'm definitely more aware of what my hands are doing and where they're touching. And we're constantly, constantly watching. Like before you, you probably weren't so aware, but I definitely have a routine when I get back from a shift and it was kind of sucky Friday night when I worked and I came in, the, you know, got home at one thirty in the morning. And the last thing you want to do is like, shower, do your hair, whatever. But my routine is I have the Clorox wipes, the Lysol in the garage. So I go get the Clorox wipes and wipe everything down that I've touched in my car. Um then I spray Lysol on top of everything on my bag that I bring to the, the my job and I have to disrobe in the garage, never bring my shoes in, because you just don't know. And then just run straight to the shower. So you you probably' you're naked in the garage yeah and And run up into the shower and you go booking into the shower (laughs) at two two in the morning that's fun at two in the morning
3: are they like so like is there any are they giving you any more money for this like it feels like that this is like
4: I know you would think Dangerous. like what
3: are they doing is there any kind of something that
4: unfortunately not I'm not union I'm not part of a union um, just a per diem. So unfortunately that, that is the, that's where we work. We, even before this virus, we were always prone to something in the hospitals. Like whenever you, we would go up to ICU intensive care unit, those people are so, so super sick. And whenever there's, they, they plaster on the, on the, the doors, if they have an isolation issue, which means that they are infectious and you have to gown up, suit up. We always had to do this before even this virus. And they would tell you what, what what you need to protect yourself from, and then they'd have all the equipment right outside the door. So we knew that going in, and we understood how to deal with those people. And put it now, it's not just so much going up to the ICU and doing that one person. It's now it's everyone. You're suiting up, unsuiting. It takes like 10 minutes to do an x-ray versus it should have taken 20 seconds. But because we're so cautious and you have to protect yourself and clean up afterwards, it's, it's taking like 10, 15 minutes to do one x-ray. Oh my God. Yeah. Are
3: there, are there,
4: um, healthcare workers, you know, that have gotten sick? Um, they were under suspicion. Nobody actually tested positive. There was, uh, probably four people I know that were out for a 14 day self quarantine because they had fevers and like maybe cold, cold symptoms. Mm-hmm. So things like that but they yeah. all came back and they're working. So what, like, do you think that there are
3: people that don't want to do this, like, that are like not coming in because they're scared? Like, what, what keeps you going back in? Like, what makes you want to do this? Like, I know you, Paula, like, and I know you're like a tough... Like, um, I don't know of
4: anybody in my department that has not come back in, um, n- not that I know of, but for me personally, it's it's what I signed up for. So I... I knew that going in and anything medical like this, whether it's a, a pandemic or not, you're, you're bound to see things and you're in there. So it, it, I guess it takes a certain person. What kind of, what do you think it is
3: about you that makes you like, what is that person? Like what?
4: Um, I just want to help. Like i wanting to, if I'm able and capable of helping someone, why not? Versus just sitting, doing nothing. Like I want to do something. And if I hold a license and I'm capable of doing this and I'm healthy, why not use me as another set of hands? So it's just, I don't know.
3: That's moving. It really is. Like
4: it makes me, you know, like, selfish. it makes me
3: very emotional because I feel like, um, there's just, I mean like the people that are doing this, obviously you're not getting paid any more money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're, and you're putting yourself in harm's way or your family in harm's way. And it's, um, it's, it's special. So I, I do hope that you guys continue to get, I feel like people understand kind of what you're or trying to understand what you're going through in a way, mm-hmm. um, you know, and trying to like help you in some way. And like, what, what do you think would be a way that we could help healthcare workers? Like as normal humans, like what could we do? I mean, well, if I the, I
4: mean, the, the main thing, and I hate to be redundant, but like the local government said is to stay at home and social distancing because that prevents you from coming into the hospital in the first place. So if everybody did that, there wouldn't be so many people that would be, they'd be taken care of. Um, the other side of it, like, let's say everyone is practicing that, is you see so much grassroots movement coming out of this and community getting together and helping that it, it is really touching. It's amazing, like what they've done for us at the hospital, like the local restaurants will bring in food, you know, it's just very touching. Um... The, the sidewalk that you, that the workers take to walk into the entranceway, the kids like wrote everything, wrote like messages in chalk. It's just very uplifting. And, um, the past week, the Thursday and Friday that I worked, so we have a, a, hospitals have intercom system. So you're, it's, it was so depressing because all you hear is like codes getting called. So, you know, it's like someone else crashing, someone dying, this, that, and you got the, the code team like racing to try to save their lives. And then all of a sudden, Thursday, they started playing the Beatles song, um, Here Comes the Sun. And I was like, Who, something, so, did they not realize that the speaker's on? Because we can hear this. And I didn't know what it was at first. But they started playing that every time a COVID positive patient is discharged out of the hospital. Oh, my God. It, and you're just like, you stop what you're doing because you can hear it. And like on Friday, I started, my shift started from 4 o'clock to like 1230. I heard it six times. I'm like, oh my God, there goes another one. Another one went home. Another one. You're like, yes, it's working. Wow, that's incredible. (laughs) It's very uplifting. And it's very, it's a morale booster for sure. Because especially these poor nurses who are working their butts off. And they're like really the ones that are there taking care of these same people like hours and hours and hours. And to hear that and to watch somebody leave has to be, it's, it's gotta be so gratifying
3: that's super positive that's awesome
4: yeah that's amazing
3: um so like so as far as you're concerned like there's nothing like physical we can give you uh restaurants are giving you guys food and you're getting like cool letters of like um support support, which is awesome um
4: have sewn masks and brought them in things like that yeah that's awesome
3: yeah that's awesome Um, but you guys are good with like ventilators and all that kind of stuff. Like, what is the hospital situation in terms of like equipment?
4: Our hospital is a small, I think a smaller, generally speaking, a smaller hospital and we are not a, um, a trauma hospital. There is a trauma hospital down the street and I guess they have more ICU beds than we do. I have not heard yet that we're lacking, but every room is at capacity up there in ICU and every room has a ventilator. So... Do
3: you feel like you guys have hit the peak now or is it still coming?
4: I think it's this week. It seems to me like it's this week uh, that we've hit it, like that Easter weekend. And then I guess the more I work there and the more I hear that Beatles song is going to determine in my head, you you think like, well, now we're going, we're sliding down the hill. Yeah. Because the more that song gets played, there's more and more people leaving the hospital and that's what you want to see
3: she's just incredible this is it's like what she does every day that's it you know it's her
2: job and the selflessness of it is incredible
1: yeah when she said like you know if I'm healthy and I'm capable like why not use me was uh inspiring it was awesome
3: Mm yeah I mean who thinks like that like you're going into the you know mouth of the beast you know like but that's how these people think they're like Mm -hmm. and Steve's the same way like i i'm healthy i'm gonna go in there i'm gonna do what i need to do and what else is there yeah it's crazy
2: amazing obviously the here comes the sun part was i know awesome
3: can you imagine like
2: like, oh oh sorry so
0: no i was was just gonna say that part almost made me cry it's just like Simply because, like, it's so hard to see the other side of things, especially her, because Paula, she is the person who helps diagnose. She's not the person who helps cure. So all she's seeing is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming in her door, potentially with this disease that can kill them and kill her and kill everyone around them. But she never saw, like, the other side of people actually leaving. She only heard the code, the, you know, the coding alarms, right? So I think that was so crazy for the hospital to do, to have that here comes the sun.
2: I would think too, yeah. as a patient and you hear that, that would be motivating. That would give you some kind of a, you know what I mean?
3: It's hope. It's hope. It's like, you know, how do you like quantify hope right now? Like, how do you, mm-hmm. you know, where is the hope? Like, none of us really know what, how this is going to end. And, some brilliant person in her hospital is like let's play let's play a song you know when everybody leaves like brilliant
1: yeah and i think for the like for the rest of their lives that that song is gonna affect them in this way like it's not just like a, a in this moment kind of thing i think forever when they hear that they're gonna be put right back into that moment
2: the other part for me that was real, like real resonation re- resonating uh was not only is she sacrificing how she sacrifices at her job every day but the home piece of it like not getting to be around her husband or you know and her kids and that's, that's
0: awful it's like social
3: distancing but also social distancing in your home with your family and your social distancing from them as well yeah like talk about isolation so you're so you're in like frontline possibly could get sick or die and you can't even get any of the benefits of the social distancing which people are getting which is like being getting to be around the family who's mm-hmm. at home so it's just crazy and but there's no there's no like sadness or regret or anything it's insane yeah
2: They're here to help very good it was so good she's yeah. awesome
4: yeah.
3: Thank Love you for go, her. Paula.
2: Go, healthcare workers.
1: Yeah, yeah. It
3: yeah. made me feel like what we're doing is good. Like to get this word out, what we're doing, I think it's I think it's a really good thing. So yeah,
1: definitely. She also had a really good point. Um, she talked about the restaurants dropping off um, like extra food and stuff, and it was really interesting to hear. Like an industry that's been hit really hard is still going above and beyond to like you know provide things for the healthcare workers, which was really inspiring
0: people are incredible
2: it's crazy yeah. thank
1: you stacy for yeah thanks that so us. Great. thanks paula yeah thank you
0: thank you everyone for listening to today's morning cast we loved having our morning coffee with you make sure to subscribe on youtube spotify and soundcloud and turn that notification button on to make sure you don't miss any episodes until then keep hustling and pour yourself another cup of joe